Hey Warriors, welcome to another episode of Warrior Within. And, you know, it's the day after Christmas. I was going to try to do it on Friday, but man, did I have a lot of things go on with the family and stuff with my wife. And just had a great time this weekend. But I wanted to just say, you know, do something before we get to next week, which will be the beginning of the year for 2022. And I wanted to just talk about the fact that something I was talking with my dad the other day was about men in churches and the idea of being doers. Okay, the idea is that I have seen a lot of times growing up in in all the churches I have been through, many men think that as long as they do the tithing, as long as they give to the missionary, as long as they appear to be the example of a man that is enough to say that they are a man of god that they are doing what they're supposed to be doing as men but i've always had issue because the men who have impacted me the most were men of doers i remember growing up at you know at this bat the baptist school i was at and one of the prime examples of a man to me was watching coach uh, peterson be who he was. He emphasized a lot of things of scripture. He emphasized prayer. He emphasized that men need to lead wherever they're at. It doesn't matter if you don't feel like you are one. When God places you in a position, uh, wherever you may be, you are also asked to be a leader there. It doesn't mean that you take over your boss's job. It doesn't doesn't mean that kind of stuff. It just means you live by example and do. Coach Peterson was one of those guys that, you know, when he, whatever he said, you saw him do the same thing, whether it was when he was teaching, whether it was just him being a dad, whether it was him um, being a coach, whether it was him just being a man out in the street, you, you knew that when you saw him, you got what you got. And Pastor uh, Cross, who was another um, pastor in my life, who is still a dear friend of mine, I learned a lot about prayer from him. I learned a lot about from, from him. The, the ideal example of being a pastor is that you knew that when you talked to Pastor Cross at church or on the street, or even when he was with his family, it was the same person. There wasn't a different different person that was seen in different situations. But at the same time, I have seen where men appeared to be these godly examples at church, but when I went to their home, they were just the opposite. You see, the idea is that as men, we need to be a man of God all the time. We need to be doers of the word all the time. We need to keep ourselves accountable all the time. We need to be praying like we do at church, at home, or in front of our kids at least, or with our wife, or in front of anybody, it should be the same type of person. You should not be plain Christian when you're around certain people. You should be that man of God all the time. It doesn't mean you're going to start running around talking to random people about scripture, but it also does not mean you don't run around not expressing who you are in Christ. I mean, I've met many men who say they love Jesus, but when they're at work or not at church, you would never have known. Because when I remember um, when I was over 
being a youth pastor, I asked the kids that same question. I said, if I were to see you randomly out in the street and if I didn't know you, would I know that you were a follower of Christ? Would I know that you love Jesus? And that made them really ponder about it. And, and, that, and most of them were pretty honest about it. I said, no, 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 you wouldn't. And I said, but why not? Because the idea of being a follower means that you are following a, a way, a method, a program, a perspective of someone or something. Because, you know, if we're not talking about Christianity, you know, people do follow agendas. They follow groups. They follow organizations. They follow philosophies, ideals, perspectives. And they may follow other religions, whatever it may be you follow and what you, when you follow something you talk about it a lot you spend time a lot with it you uh live it out um in, in fact fanhood is kind of that concept that i'm talking about you know if you're a fan of football and you have a favorite team what do you usually do you you get maybe the jersey a hat maybe you wear the sneakers of the color of the team and then on Sunday mornings, even at church, you might be wearing your favorite team's jersey while you're at church. You know, you may joke around and say, hey, you know, go with whoever, you know, and, and then leave. But the th idea is that you become a follower of a team. So I'm not telling you guys you need to run around with, like, a Bible strapped to your chest or, you know, versus... Uh, uh, wrapped around your body but you know the thing is does does the people that you work with at at work people in your community your neighborhood do they know that you love jesus do they know that you are a follower because there is appearance or actions there is the the gifts of the spirit that represent a lot of who jesus is and how we are supposed to act you know, a lot of men these days, they'd rather just go to work, come home, don't deal with anybody else but their family, and, and take care of their castle. And that's it. And in itself, that's not a bad thing. You know, a man should take care of his home, should take care of his family, should take care of his wife. It makes sense. But what about your next-door neighbor? When was the last time you actually reached out and talked to them? When was the last time maybe you invited them over for dinner? When was the last time maybe you helped them out with a project? Or see if they need help with a project. When was the last time that you maybe helped a, the new couple that moved in just down the street? Did you ever reach out to them, see how they're doing? Have you ever done it maybe and even in the church? was Is there a new couple in the church, a young couple that has no kids and just moved from across country to uh, to the area? I mean, have you reached out to them? Because you remember last year, if you if you recall, we talked about reaching out to people that may need that extra, you know, comfort or strength. Or maybe, and, and the thing is, like, even single people, you know, sometimes single people move a long ways from their family and they're alone. Because they don't have the money to travel all the way back or they don't want to because, you know, they, they needed to get that space. But at the same time, they are looking for connections. See, we talked about not too long ago about the unity of the church and the body and the importance of being connected together, right? We talked about the fact that we can't run around and call ourselves a body of Christ, but yet the only people that work are the people that are paid and the people that that are 
the members of the church, you know, they think that, hey, as long as I warm the seat, I get my, uh, what do you call it, social club dues in, and I get a little bit of stuff I need for my life, you know, I can move on. But that's, that there's a lot more to the idea of being a doer of, a, of Christ, to be a doer of the truth. Sometimes it will take you out of your comfort, and sometimes it may not be normal. I mean, some people, you know, I'll be honest, you know, I love the idea of having people over, but I don't love the idea of having people over every day, if that makes sense. I do enjoy my space. I do enjoy um, my alone time because I use up a lot of energy when I'm around a lot of people and I need to recharge. So I do need that that self recharge time of my for myself. My wife is very similar. So the idea is that we got to understand that being a doer, though, means sometimes you do have to get out of your comfort zone. It does mean sometimes you might be really busy because you have to do things. Now, Christmas is around the time where we're, we're trying to do things for people. But the truth is, it shouldn't stop because Christmas is over. When was the last time that you felt the Holy Spirit prod you to give a homeless person some money or even buy them food? When was the last time where you you heard heard something in your in your mind and heart saying, "Hey, this person needs some money. Just give it to them. Don't ask them why. Don't don't try to convince them to you know to open up. Just say, here, I just feel like I need to give this to you.'" When was the last time where you were struggling and you asked for help? When was the last time when you needed prayer that you asked somebody to pray for you? When was the last time when you asked for counseling because you're having a really hard time now? You know, you, you lost your wife or, you know, if you're a woman, you lost your husband or, or maybe, you know, the pain of your child that died many years ago or your mother died this year. When was the last time you reached out for just comfort, counseling and help? See, a lot of times when we are doers of the word, we also are going to need help. Just like your body, you cut your finger, you don't ignore the pain and you don't sit there and just leave it bleeding, do you? No. You wash it up, you maybe put some ointment and then you maybe, uh, you know, you put a bandaid on it. Or maybe you do need to go to a doctor because they have to, you know, sew it up. You see... It's not just us going and do stuff. Sometimes we, we need help. That's why it's so important to be in unity with the church. But it's also why it's important to be there for one another. I mean, Paul talks about it quite often, to be there for one another. You know, share each other's burdens. That means you got to be open. And one of the things I'm hoping through this is helping men to understand they need to be open. Stop holding and hiding everything inside because they've been told that's what men do, because that's not what men do. That's that's what men think men are supposed to be doing. Because in Scripture, if, if you think da King David, David himself, is a man, he's a very open, emotional man. He, he, he cries out to God. So if you think he's manly, and yet... If I were it, me just saying that makes you go, oh, I never really thought about it that way. David was an emotional person. He shared his heart to God. Okay? That's not someone who's holding everything in and keeping everything in. Because imagine if he did, the Psalms would be a really small book. 
That's why, you know, when you go to James, it talks about know this. And this is James 1, 19, starting in 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of a man does not precede the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers, and this is verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at the natural face in the mirror. He looks at himself and goes away and once once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, preserves being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. See, the idea is that, and I, I've, I think I've probably used these verses before, but the, the, this is just something that's been on my mind this past few days, especially going to another church. Um, the one thing I've noticed with men, especially in church, is a lot of them, they appear to be okay. Like they've been doing, doing church for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and they have, they don't need, like I, I hear men say, I don't need anybody. I don't need another person. I don't need another man. I don't, it's not needing as much as being there like you're supposed to be. If you think you're fine, then you should be helping other men in your church. Well, they're all fine too. Do you really think that none of these guys go through any struggles that their wife is not having some health issue problem that they maybe don't have enough money like they were hoping for to get presents for their kids? You don't think that they're struggling at their job? You don't think that maybe they had car problems recently and they're just frustrated? You ever think about maybe they, they're struggling and being faithful with their wife? Maybe they're struggling with um, some form of pornography. You don't think they're struggling with some type of sin? You don't think that some of these guys play the game and just appear to be like these God-living men, but in reality they take the mask off and they go home and they're drinking like crazy or doing all this stuff? No, because you know why? Because we try to hide it. Men try to hide it because they think to be tough, they can't have flaws. But the truth is, being a man, you're going to have flaws. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to make bad choices. There's going to be consequences. There's going to be hurt. There's going to be pain. There's going to be struggle. There's going to be frustrations from the work. There's going to be... Because I've met many of a man who doesn't like their job. But then I always ask him, maybe I ask God, make sure this is the job you're supposed to be in. No, no, because this is my livelihood. I've been doing it for 20 years, 15 years, and it's what pays the bills. Yeah, but you didn't ask God if this is the job you want that you should be doing. And there's this big turnaround. Well, this the job's a job. I, I, when I hear men say that, it makes me wonder if they've never asked God about a job. Because why would you think a God who loves you and cherishes you would not hear this and say to you, don't worry, I got you back. I know you did this job for 15 years, but I have something better for you. Why would you think that he wouldn't take care of you? Well, I, I, I spent all this time, I put all this effort into this job, and it's been, you know, I've gotten everything, and I don't want to like lose all that, and then have to start over again. And like, well, you ask God if there's something more 
and there's this job or you're, if you're doing the job you're supposed to be doing and he's saying no there's more do you deny do you honestly think he's not going to put you in a situation to help you to make sure by the time you want to retire you have the funds you need and maybe you don't have to retire as much as you think you would have to maybe you'll find a job that actually is worth everything to live for and you chase after that See, once again, it goes right back. If you believe that the Bible is 100% true, that God's word is his word, then why would you doubt anything that he provides for you? And even the change of a job, change of friends, change of decisions that you make. You don't think that maybe if you became more open to your wife and your kids, cried in front of them, shared a little burden to your wife about the struggles that you're having at work. You don't think that would make your relationship stronger with her or with God, or maybe even reach out to another man. Do you know how many men are struggling like a lot, but they're so afraid to open up because they've been told men don't do that. I have found more peace when I'm able to share and cry and pray with other men in a way that has made me more stronger as a man because it really shows that I take a lot of stress and burdens and just place it on myself. And it burns me out. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey guys, welcome back. Um, thank you for listening to the commercial. But anyway, you know, we've been talking about that burdens that men probably have or pretty much do have that just don't share. See, the struggle is that we hear what God is trying to tell us and teach us. We listen to God's word on Sundays or if you do it on other days because you can't make it on Sundays. Whether you listen to people online, whether you're reading a book, whether you hear it from a Bible study that you're in, you hear his word and you will say amen, amen. You will say praise God. You will say that's right. And you will stand for what is being spoken. But the truth is, do you do what is being stated? You do what it says. Do you hear the word and then do it? Or do you do it like what it says in verse 23? And this is in James 1. Or is it like going up to a mirror? mirror, and Like you see yourself there. You're presented with the truth. And then as soon as you hear it, you walk away and you forget what you look like. Because that's what it's talking about. I mean, some of us probably have been through that. We know what it's like to be super distracted in life that we miss out on the smelling the roses that are around us. And so we spend so much time moving to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing, because we want to be distracted that we don't pay attention to the things that we're missing out. Very similar to what I talked about last week, last week about the shield. And you hold that shield of pride. Men struggle with pride a lot. I would have to say men's number one thing is pride. Because we put pride and honor and respect and 
dignity and our identity all in the same thing. The once a man, you know, made it was a great businessman, made tons of money. Suddenly now he's working at McDonald's. Therefore, now he's less of a man. That's how we depict manhood. Because not only did he lose his job, he lost his dignity. He lost his identity. He lost um, favor in people's eyes. And then he gets treated less. I remember what it was like when I would go back to one of my churches and they say, so what's, you know, what are you doing these days? And I say, well, I've been trying to get ministry job for the past four years and I've just been doing part-time work here and there and, um, nothing's going on. I've been living off of savings that I've made years ago and, and help with my parents. And they're like, Oh, Oh, that's, that's too bad for you. Um, no, maybe you should just go get any type of job or um i guess i guess you know maybe you're going into the wrong career or you know and they start throwing all this reasoning as if like i've never thought about it as if it's something easy like an easy answer to my problem but it wasn't i've applied to uh hundreds and hundreds of jobs from ministry to government to local to just finding anything that's close to related to a drafting or maybe even loss prevention of some type security of some type and just got no after no after no after no ministry jobs i probably did over 600 applications and out of all that i only had five who reached out back and out of the five, three of them were actually went out there for this, the next interview. And only one out of those three had said yes, but it was like, the, the, to clarify, it was like if there was 10 people voting, I got nine out of the 10, one person didn't want to. And I was pretty sure it was the pastor who said no, based on all the red flags that I got while I was out there. So we prayed about it and I, and I told them no, because I felt that there was a divisive nature inside the church and they were going to try to use me to create that divisive change. And I was not for my first time being in full-time ministry going to be part of a divis divisive nature situation. I've already dealt with that in the gaming community once, and I wasn't going to try to do that for my life career and have problems. So I got no after no after no after no after no. And then that one where I could have said yes and I would have gotten a house. I would have been working part-time as a bus driver most likely. And it was a farm town. It was very different, unique. Um, I enjoyed the people I got to meet. But overall, I would say... I was not feeling God's blessing over it. And saying no was hard because I think it was about a year and a half later until I got the next job offer as a youth pastor out in Connecticut, which turned out to be an amazing experience up to certain points and also really showed me a lot of issues with leadership and people who think they're pastors but aren't pastors and should be teachers probably maybe 
but definitely don't understand the concept of ministry. And then two, I also got to know what it's like to be attacked by the enemy harshly and deal with a wolf harshly. And it didn't turn out to be the best experience for positiveness all the way through, but it was an experience that taught me a lot of things about myself taught me a lot of things about God, taught me a lot of things about ministry, taught me a lot of things about what a church should be. And I learned especially to, to lean on doing God's word and not just hearing it. And I made sure that I reflected that same mindset to the youth I dealt with and to the men that I dealt with because I realized after all this that God has sent me just to be a, a torch or a fire maker, like the spark to, to, to help a dead area that's very hard ground to work on and work on certain people that I think someday God's going to use for more. Right now, in the state that it's at, some of them have been growing but that church is not going to be blessed until things change. And when that happens, then they're going to, the people had visions out there seeing a bunch of people coming to that church. And I don't think that's going to happen until the change that's really needed is hap is happening there. And that the right people are in place to help it get to that point. But when it does, it's going to be really cool. <clears throat> but you see, guys, you got to understand that we struggle because God is trying to teach us stuff. He's trying to get us to see things about him that we cannot necessarily understand at the moment. And in the moment, we may feel betrayed or hurt or, or angry. But after the whole thing goes through... You start seeing something about God that you didn't notice before because you're so busy living in your anger and frustration. But because you're willing to honor him in it as much as you possibly could, you know, even through the hurt and pain and frustration and anger and all that, you wanted to honor him. So he showed you and you either choose to do as he tells you or not. You can live a life in, in anger and revenge. It's nothing holding holding you back for that. Holy Spirit's not going to approve it. God's not going to say, oh yeah, that's, that's what I want you to do. No, it's going to be you and yourself, that pride we talked about last week. That's going to steer that shield in the direction it, it needs to be to keep you protected. But at the end of all this, What's holding you back? What's keeping you from doing things like you should? Now, have you have you sat there and just wondered if you're supposed to be doing something in your church more than what you've been doing? Because you can't sit around and wait for someone who, quote unquote, has the leadership potential to step in to do something like that. Because maybe God's calling you out to step out. Maybe God's saying, you, sir, I need you to start something here. And it's funny because one of the things I was telling my dad is he, he loves bocce. And 
I was telling him because like in his church, he has a lot of older guys that are pretty much his age group or older. Um, why don't you ask your pastor and see if maybe twice a month on Saturday morning for a couple hours, you meet at the church and you play bocce ball with the guys for a couple hours. You may not start out with a bunch of guys. You may start out with just maybe two guys, maybe one guy. And I said, you know, that could just start out that way. And all I have to do is say, hey, let's just pray before we play and just have fun with each other. And maybe that will start spurring up conversation, connectivity, maybe even interest of maybe starting a small group for men to just do something. And maybe that's the opportunity that you've been waiting for to kind of grow a bit more. But if you have men saying, well, I, I really don't want to. Well, is it because you don't want to or that you just don't feel comfortable doing it? Because I didn't I didn't ask anybody for you to start preaching to men and start making changes that way. I said, start out small, ping pong ball, pool, maybe even do horseshoes if you like that or any type of outside activity. I mean, it may not be great for most of you guys because some of you guys are probably in wintertime, but... Maybe you can at least do pool at the pool place or, you know, find a place like if you have ping pong in your house, invite some of the guys. Any of you guys want to come over? We're going to have a ping pong tournament, every, you know, every month and just going to hang out and enjoy fellowship because that's how it starts. See, in the beginning, men are quiet. They don't say anything. They don't talk. And, I, and it's evident in the Facebook page and the Facebook group I'm in that guys like getting information, but they don't necessarily speak out. So... You know, if you guys are in my group and stuff, I would love to see you guys respond to some of the stuff I th throw in there or even share thoughts or maybe ask questions, see if other people will respond, because that would be awesome. But it all starts with people saying things. And, and a lot of times, you know, for a long time, it's just one person or a couple people may be speaking. But I can tell you this, once you recognize the need to be able to be willing to speak up, you'll be surprised of the confidence you'll gain, the truth you will learn and the changes that could come from it. Because you may not be the only guy who's thinking the same thing in your head. There might be other guys that are also struggling or have thought about the same stuff. But they think no one wants to hear it or none of the men are interested. But I, I could tell you this. You start some type of event activity, it's going to change. You'll start seeing suddenly the one guy that was showing up invites one of the other guys and they show up. And then suddenly they invite maybe a guy outside the church to come because he likes the game. They also is looking just to connect with some guys. And then suddenly now you have 15 guys and you have to buy three sets or four, three more sets or something so everybody can play. And they just suddenly become kind of small groups hanging out, you know, switch it up or whatever. And you start building up. And then suddenly now it's like, hey, how, would you guys be interested in maybe we do a 15-minute Bible study before um, we play? And they'd be like, oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. So now suddenly you have a men's ministry. Because it's not about just preaching, teaching. It's about building men up, keeping them accountable, strengthening their walk, praying over them, seeing them grow, seeing them and through their weakness, seeing them in their strength, seeing them wanting to be more than what they've been. But really, all it takes is someone to just say, yes, Lord, I'll do it. I don't feel confident, but I will do it. And that's my challenge for you guys this week into this new year. If there is something that you felt that maybe you would like to see, like get connected with the men at church or even in your community, start something. 
Find something that you know it's simple to learn, but fun to do, and men will enjoy it. And you can make it emphasize, you know, um, it's, it's just a fellowship of time hanging out. And then suddenly if it's like a bunch of men that are seeking out, you know, God, you know, this is your chance to start a men's group in some sense. Though, if you really want to be focused more on Bible study, church is the best way to get, get to that point. But men in your community can be surprised how many people around you may be Christians and just been, don't say anything or don't so, so show it or, or invite that way of who they are. And that's because once again, men don't want to share too much. This is a good opportunity. I mean, take this challenge. Um, I'll probably have another type of challenge next week for the beginning of the year, but make it a, make it something this year. You, you see, there's an opportunity do it. Try it out. Test it out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. I ask that you bless it. I ask that your name be glorified. I pray that you would move men to take take this chance, take this opportunity to 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 be willing to step up in their churches, to maybe start a group, even if it's something as fun as just comics or model or even Lego. You know, it could be anything they want. And you know, if it's a hobby they like to do, see if there's other guys that like that, Lord. And, and just give them that courage to just kind of ask about and say, hey, you know, I'm planning to do a bocce ball game every you know third saturday of the month and if anybody's interested just to show up and we'll we'll see what we can do and we'll set it all up and like you just lord just move these men to be willing to do more in their church if they see that there's an opportunity to reach out to men give them the courage to do it i pray that you bless it too i pray that we'll start seeing men build these strong men communities in their churches again. I pray this in Jesus' holy and heavenly name. Amen. You guys be blessed and enjoy your week. And I'll see you next time.